Amen. Thank you, Loy. Well, last summer, when I was planning the speaking schedule for this fall, I decided to redesign a short series of talks that would hopefully appeal to the friends and family that we are inviting to the gathering. We're a new church plant in Windsor, and part of our DNA, part of our culture, is to invite people to come to church. <clears throat> our friends and family and neighbors and co-workers, and many of you have been doing that. But we invest in relationships with the people who are important in our lives so that we can eventually share with them what's most important in our lives. And so two weeks ago, I launched a series called Simple. Moving into a relationship with God is not that complicated. It's really not rocket science, but there is a bit of a process to it. And uh, so the very first message was about following Jesus, and I spoke about the difference between religion and relationship, remember? And said that there is a world of difference between religion and having a relationship with God, and the reality is that the Christian life is all about a relationship with Jesus. At the heart of that relationship is a, is a simple invitation given to people of all walks of life, people just like us, follow me. Two words, very simple invitation to follow. And last week, the second message in this series was about believing in Jesus, because we know from personal experience as well as from the scriptures that many of the people who began to follow Jesus eventually believed in Jesus. Somewhere, somehow along the way, along the journey, they came to a place where they put their faith and trust in Jesus. In Loy's case, he could no longer resist his wife coming home on Sunday mornings full of joy and full of the, the glory of God and, and, and happy and joyful. It was something that drew him. He began to follow and eventually believed in Christ. <clears throat> and the people who who believe in Jesus don't just believe certain points of theology or doctrine. Their belief is not limited to his ethics or philosophy or his teaching style, we said last week. They don't just believe in selected aspects of his morality or his worldview. No, instead they believe in Jesus. They believe in the living Christ, the one who died and came out of the grave alive on the third day. They believe in the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. They put their trust and confidence in the great I Am, the Lord Jesus Christ. They believe in Jesus. And as a result, they receive eternal life and forgiveness for sin and uh, hope for the future and, and a whole lot more. And so today we come to the third and final talk in the series. And the third word in the sequence, obey. Follow, believe, obey. It's really quite simple. Following Jesus and believing in Jesus should result in a life of obedience, like Loy was talking about this morning. When the Apostle Paul penned his letter to the Romans, in his opening remarks, he says, Through Jesus we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name. So in part... Uh, part of the purpose, part of the reason uh, 
God called Paul to ministry and he had received this grace and apostleship was so that he could bring about the obedience of faith. He could be used by God to bring about the obedience of faith in the lives of people like us. <clears throat> See, obedience is required, but it's obedience that flows from this saving faith that's given to us as a gift of God. And this obedience is always, it's always connected to the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. It's not an obedience that I drum up. It's an obedience of faith. But you know, I, I, I think that some churches have got it backwards. Some churches have had it backwards for years because they have focused on obedience first. Sometimes even to the exclusion of following and believing. The focus is just on obedience from the first minute you step inside the building. Obey, obey, obey. They, they don't spend enough time talking about following and believing in Jesus. They just assume that everybody that's in the building or within their sphere of influence is, is a follower and a believer, and so they, they, they go right to obedience. But see, there's a process. <laughs> and there's these three simple words. Follow, believe, and then obey. So I, I'm not sure how or when they got it turned around and got the order mixed up, but, but some have. I think a lot of well-intentioned pastors and Sunday school teachers and elders and deacons have called on you to obey even before you believed. And I'm sorry about that because that, that does a lot of damage. It just does a lot of damage. Because you, you cannot and we should not impose kingdom standards of living and morality on non-kingdom people. That's just backwards. That's turned around. That's messed up. We expect people who aren't even part of the faith to live like they're part of the faith when they haven't even trusted in Christ yet. I remember a few years ago, I mean, and we get, we get uptight about the littlest things, you know? Don't we? The pastor's wearing jeans. So what? I remember a few years ago, and I think I've told this story a couple of times. Forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but an older gentleman one, one morning said to me, after the service was over, he said, Pastor, did, did, you see that, did you see that boy sitting near the back with his baseball hat on? I said, I did. It was hard not to notice. I, I, I did. What do you think about that, Pastor? I said, well, I think I'd rather have that boy sitting in church under the sound of the gospel wearing his baseball hat than out behind the shed smoking dope. And he said, I, I, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> Off he went. See, we want people to obey all of our little rules and regulations before they even come under the sound of the gospel. Before they even start to follow and believe, and that's backwards. You can quote me on that if you like. It's backwards. You can't impose kingdom standards on non-kingdom people. See, obedience flows from believing. And believing generally happens after people start to follow. And I think the reason that so many people, young people and old people, want nothing to do with church anymore is because for years and years they've been told to obey. 
Obey, obey. Obey the Bible, obey God, and everything will be okay. And everything is not okay. Everything is not okay. Their first child was stillborn. He lost his job without any advance notice. And she has just received a diagnosis of breast cancer. And everything is not okay. And the first, uh, the first suggestion we make to a, a family, to a couple like that, should not be obedience. We ought to show compassion and the love of Christ. But once you place your faith in Jesus, right? Once you're born again of the Spirit of God, and once you start to grow, then you better buckle up, mister, because obedience is required. And all of a sudden, the expectations go way up, don't they? Once you believe in Jesus Christ, the obedience of faith, Romans 1.5, is required. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7 this morning, and you'll see what I mean. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, and if you aren't familiar with the Bible and you don't know where the book of Matthew is, by all means, check out the table of contents in the front of your Bible, find the page number, and turn to it quickly. Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 24, there's a, there's a parable there that brings the Sermon on the Mount to a, to a close as Jesus calls upon his listeners uh, to decide. He calls them to a, a decision. He calls them to respond. And he draws, I, I think it's a dividing line between himself and every other foundation for life. So let's have a look. Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. You see, the evidence of faith in this parable is in the obedience to the words of Jesus in whether or not I do the words of Jesus. Am I building on the rock or am I building on the sand? And then Matthew adds this little bit of commentary. He says, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Now, this is not fire and brimstone preaching about heaven and hell. This is Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep who is telling those who believe in him how to live out the rest of their lives in a way that will bring stability and strength and joy and fulfillment. If we arrange everything in our lives around the teaching of Jesus, then we will be wise and strong and steady. Look, he says in verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, obeys them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Hmm. I'm part of a group of men and women that meets every two weeks on Sunday evening. We want to be men and women who obey the word of God. Not just read it and study it, 
but we want to obey everything Jesus taught us. Not some of it, not part of it, but all of it. We're eager to hear the words of Christ and obey them. Because, to be honest, the alternative is not very appealing. Have you noticed? Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. A foolish man. How many of you here really want to be a foolish person? Yeah. You're like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. It fell with a great crash. See, not putting the words of Jesus into practice produces catastrophe. It may not be immediate, but it's going to come. Everything that you build will eventually come down with a crash if you don't build on the solid rock of Jesus. While doing some relief work in Haiti following that devastating earthquake that happened there four years ago, one of the blokes that was working on the team had this to say. He said, there was a problem in Haiti. Houses were built with too much sand and not enough steel. Sand is cheap, and so because of poverty, people tended to use more sand in their mortar mix than they should have. And because steel is expensive and they were poor, they didn't use enough steel. So when the earth quaked, homes crumbled, there was too much sand and not enough steel. Folks, in our poverty of spirit, we often take shortcuts. And there's just not enough steel in our resolve to obey God. We build marriages with too much anger and not enough love, and they crumble. We build reputations on too much pride and not enough humility, and they crumble. We build families with too much busyness and not enough time, and they crumble. We build churches with too many rules and regulations and not enough following and believing, and they crumble. Follow, believe, obey. And Matthew says, everyone then who hears these words, quoting Jesus, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And this is not just some pithy little proverb you know, that you put up on your desk before uh, on top of your, your computer monitor. This is not just a, a New Year's resolution. This is about the rest of your life. This is about spiritual vitality. This is about, about walking with God every day. This is about building a legacy. and It's your destiny. And it's urgent. It's, it's serious. This is important. We need to order everything in our lives around the words of Scripture and around the words of Jesus. Everything, I mean everything, needs to be ordered by the words of Jesus. Marriages, finances, uh, friendship, forgiveness, sex, education, career, family, everything. Everything should be informed by the Word of God and the words of Jesus. Don't you agree? And we need to be obedient to the Word of God in everything, in every area of our lives. And Lloyd talked about that you know, a little bit this morning in his, in his story, his testimony. Uh, giving time to serve, giving money to advance the kingdom. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes. 
Lord, I will obey. In everything, in everything. Look at John 14 for just a second. Verse 15 says, if you love me, Jesus speaking, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Not always easy, but it's simple. But let's remember that our obedience is based on his finished work on the cross. It flows out of believing in, in Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul calls the obedience of faith in Romans 1.5. So, so what? So what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with the invitations that he gives to follow, believe, and obey? I've been a pastor for over 30 years, have baptized a lot of people, get to baptize six more today, married a lot of young couples, um, and buried a lot of people. And I've buried a lot of people who have come to the end of their lives filled with regret. They loved too little. They gave too little. They spent too little time with their families. They wasted time. They disobeyed God. I mean, the list goes on. Lots of reasons why people are regretful at the end of their lives. So please, today, make a, make a decision to say yes to Jesus in everything. Because people who say yes to Jesus in everything at the end of their lives are not filled with regret. They're filled with a deep-seated joy knowing that they have done to the best of their ability all that God has called them to do. And you may have failed in this regard in the past. I know I have. We all have. Our obedience to Christ is not perfect. It's not without flaw. It's not without failure. We've all stumbled. We've all disobeyed God. But because of God's grace, you can press the reset button today and start fresh. That's the wonderful thing about following Jesus. You can press the reset button, start fresh, and from this day forward, you can organize your whole life around the words of Christ. And folks, our church has been given a mandate by God to invite people to follow, believe, and obey. And it's right here in the Bible. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we get to do that this afternoon at 2 o'clock. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And that's happening throughout the week in all kinds of small groups and multiply discipleship groups. We're trying to teach people to obey what Jesus commanded and then his promise, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. A commitment to obey everything leaves people with no regret at the end of life. An eagerness to obey everything places people in a healthy relationship with Jesus. And a, a readiness to obey everything creates a legacy 
in your family that lasts for generations. And I want that. I want that for my kids. I want that for my grandchildren. And the second one is officially on the way. Woohoo! Number two, coming down the pike. Been waiting a long time to say that. <laughs> yeah. So what, what do you say? What do you say to that? You ready to obey? Me too. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, today we, we gladly reaffirm the gospel of your sovereign and saving grace. We needed you to live a life of perfect obedience for us because we could never do that. We needed you to fulfill all the demands of the law for us because we could never do that. Thank you for doing it perfectly, Lord Jesus. Thank you. And we needed you to take our place upon the cross, receiving the punishment that, that, that we deserve for all the ways that we fall short of God's glory. Thank you for doing this perfectly, Lord Jesus. Lord, we praise you today. We, we worship you. Once again, we affirm today that our hope is built on nothing less, nothing more, and nothing other than your blood and your righteousness. On you, Lord Jesus, the solid and saving rock, we take our stand today because all other ground is sinking sand. And Father, with all of this in mind, we pray sincerely this morning for the deliverance of the people in northern Iraq from the terrible advancement of ISIS and its extreme Islamic goals for mass conversion or death for Christians across the region of the world. We pray also, Lord Jesus, for the Christians, for our brothers and sisters who are living in the crosshairs of this insane and demonic organization known as ISIS. God, grant them deliverance. When ISIS overtakes their village or their town, grant them deliverance. And if not, then please grant our brothers and sisters the courage they need to face death in the name of Jesus. Keep bringing us back to the gospel. Keep bringing us back to the gospel plus nothing. Keep bringing us to that place of utter and complete submission and surrender to you and to your word, Lord Jesus, to bring about the obedience of faith so that it honors you even more. In the most holy and most precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.